Memphis, 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 what up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer. Today's episode, it's the playoff edition. You're tired of hearing us talk about regular season, so we're bringing you Quad Box. The, yes, this is better than Manning double, you know, double box. We're going for the Quad Box. We have our actual co-host, Ryan. What's up, man? Hey, um, doing all right. Just waiting to talk Grizz after watching all these blowouts all day. Yeah, terrible. It's been a, it's been a terrible day, and uh, as Charles Barkley says, it's it's terrible. He just he he can't believe nobody's playing. Charles, dude, he's 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 so old school. Uh, the other guy, we'll bring him in. He is Nathan Qualls. What's up, man? Man, I'm just ready to not lose any more money. I don't need to go to Vegas ever again. So. Happy to be talking about the Grizzlies instead of losing money. Nathan's traveling back from Vegas after a long weekend, we'll say. Uh, less profitable weekend probably as well, so who knows. Um, but the fourth guy, he is Chris Ingram. What's up, man? What's going on, Grizz Nation? Uh, just got done watching this John Conchard triple-double, so I'm hyped for the playoff. Let's go. Yeah, I'm still mad at myself. Uh, I put in a uh, John Conchar double-double plus 340. I should have went for the John Conchar triple-double because that would make even more sense. And he was hunting those assists, and it was great. But today we're going to talk about uh, the playoff matchups, and it's pretty much going to be between the Timberwolves and the Clippers. We're going to give you a, a few things that we like and don't like, but also at the very end we will give you who, who we think that actually wins that matchup but also how what happens in the first round. That's going to be the most important thing, and I promise you we're going to hold our guys to it uh, as we go throughout the playoffs. So hopefully this is more than one beginning first game of another round. All right, but let's go ahead and get into it now with the Grizzly roundtable. Ryan, let's start off with you. Who oh is the most important player for the Grizzlies? <sighs> It's good old Triple J. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is the ultimate X factor that isn't really an X factor. Everybody knows how important he is to the Grizzlies. I think how he plays determines how far the Grizzlies go. Um, so wow. to me, he's my most important player for the Grizzlies. So is it more defense or his, his offensive game? I think it's both uh, because what we see in the playoffs every year is that dinosaurs like Steven Adams just don't, they give you a certain thing, but they can be played off the floor pretty quickly, especially in the West, depending on the matchup. So if Jaron Jackson can stay out of foul trouble and be an anchor five and kind of small ball situations, um, that's a huge advantage for the Grizzlies. If he kind of regresses back to the, Foul prone Jaron Jackson, kind of like he was last year against the Jazz, could be a rough playoffs, especially first round if we get a matchup with the Clippers. 
Uh, that's why I think he's ultra important for the Grizzlies. He has to be on the floor. Wow. All right, I like it. Nathan, let's head to you next. Who is the Grizzlies' most important players heading into the uh, the playoff? Man, I'm going to stay consistent. I said this, I think, the last time we talked about it, and I'll say it again, it's going to be Dylan Brooks. And I'm I'm actually – I'm with Ryan in that – I well, I think Jaron's play is going to stand out the most. I think you're going to notice the most whether Jaron does well or does poorly, obviously, when he's on the floor. Um the, the Grizzlies rating is incredible and the eye test is incredible. He's a huge factor, but I think with Dylan, it's a couple of things. One, on the offensive end, he can just destroy your rhythm and flow, right? And I think we've seen, I, I made sure to point out actually basically every time that he's made a nice pass or he stayed in the flow of the offense, um, he's found ways to contribute that aren't just getting up buckets uh, or getting up shots that they're not always buckets. But on the other side of the floor, on the defensive end, he is going to be big because of the tough matchups the Grizzlies are going to be facing. So the, I know I mentioned before, um, we'll get into this a little bit later, but about the Timberwolves early on, one of my concerns with them is they have a couple of big guards and we just didn't have the length and the guys to guard them. Well, Dylan is going to help replace that, right? He's going to be able to deal with those tough matchups. And so – I think that's going to be the biggest thing we see is him being able to negate other teams' best players, whether that's a Anthony Edwards slash D'Lo or a Luca or who you may have. Um, and that's going to be really important. So I think it's going to be Dylan Brooks um, for, for a couple of different reasons, mainly being able to defensively match up with whoever's on whoever's hot on the other team that's a, in that guard slash wing spot. Yes, yeah, so uh, looking back at the matchups, uh, Dylan Brooks, this season, uh, the Grizzlies have played the Timberwolves, for example. Uh, they're both two and two uh, in those matchups. Dylan Brooks has yet to play against the Timberwolves the entire season. So for what it's worth, that's something to look at is there's actually never had a game against them this season. So no matter who's played, Dylan has not played in that matchup. But uh, let's head to you, Chris. Most important player into these play this first round of the playoff game. Well, I know. I mean, I know we're picking around right now. I think the consensus we all could agree is probably going to be John Morant. But I'm a, for conversation's sake. I'm gonna point it, uh, point out. You know, Desmond Bain. Um, John's a given. Um, you know, we're going up against. You know, every team that we may face in this playoffs, we're gonna go against somebody that has some type of superstar, and we're gonna need him to go. You know, blow for blow with them. But it's gonna be about the supporting cast. And, you know, in the playoffs, you know, it's gonna, the game is going to slow down. It's going to be a lot of sets. Uh, we're going to still try to go, you know, that pace and space that we've been running the whole year, you know, playing defense, getting out and run. But three-point shooting is huge in the playoffs. And, you know, these teams, no matter what that we match up with, whether it be uh, Minnesota or the Clippers in the first round, uh, it could be the Warriors or Denver in the second round, and obviously in that last round uh, finals, you know, I'm already told us, you know, we're going to make it there at least. Uh, you know, going against Phoenix, all those teams can hit shots. And so what I'm, you know, pointing out is that Desmond Bain is going to have to be that consistent three-point threat that he was for the almost the entire beginning of the season. Uh, you know, if y'all are listening, you know, if y'all would like to put bets in, definitely check out Bet the Lead. Uh, they do a great job over there. You know, I'm able to put, you know, a little cash in my pocket here and there, uh, taking a look at some of those bets they put through. 
but at the beginning of the season, uh, Desmond Bain was almost a lock almost every game if you put him in two uh, threes or more a game or three threes or more a game. Uh, and it wasn't until maybe around All-Star break where that kind of slowed down. It was kind of iffy. Every game, I wasn't so sure with that um, because he just kind of, you know, he had some nice stuff going on, I'm sure, you know, the All-Star experience and everything like that. But if we can get first half of the season, Desmond Bain to consistently knock down threes, uh, we already know what job is going to do offensively. Dylan is going to be uh, very important on the defensive end as well as Jaren. Uh, but we're going to need Desmond Bain to be that sniper and that reliable three-point threat uh, that he was to get us where we need to go this uh, in the postseason for sure. Yeah, I think Desmond Bain is a a very key factor. Um, and honestly, it was great that y'all all had different people because I really do think that this is the Grizzlies, that they can beat you in so many different ways. But realistically, everyone is so important, but they do need someone to step up as well as jaw. Like if, if jaw doesn't play well, I think it is understood that the Grizzlies will have a tough road ahead, but if he can play well, he will need an, a running mate. Steven Adams has not played well against the Timberwolves. And so I do think that it's a struggle for him against that, but also I don't know if he's the best against the Clippers as well. So I think Steven Adams to Ryan's point is going to be a tough matchup no matter what. So I think you're going to see, Jaron Jackson Jr. be playing the five more often. And that kind of gets into the bench. Who comes in and who who kind of comes and fills that role? Will it be a Kyle Anderson? Will it be a, a Brandon Clark? Do they go, you know, super small? Who knows? There's a lot of things they can do. We'll hit on the bench in a second. Uh, but the next thing I want to talk about is the coaching. Taylor Jenkins, obviously he had a chance uh, they they won last year in the play in and they went ahead up against the Utah Jazz a lot of people earlier in this season they have said that they did not like Taylor Jenkins and Ryan I'm going to come to you on this one first and a lot of people were calling for maybe Taylor Jenkins's head I don't know why I've always been a firm believer and you know this probably Ryan the best in Taylor Jenkins I think he's a really good coach but this season, he's led them to the number two overall seed. But there are two other coaches that are going up against, and that's Chris Finch of the Timberwolves. He's in his first season. But then you have Ty Lue with the Clippers. Obviously, you have other players that could come back, and Kawhi Leonard, that might be an issue on itself. But just hitting on coaching, is there a coaching mismatch? Is there an issue? Is there something that you – that have stood out to you, whether it's a past or something that you're looking at that revolve around these coaches? Um, glad to talk about this again because it feels like the 400th time. For some reason, Daniel is obsessed with talking about Taylor Jenkins. I don't really get it. You're uh, welcome. Maybe it's a Duke thing. It's a Duke thing. You love Coach K. You, you like coaches. I get it. It's fine. Uh, no, I mean, playoffs, usually you don't just have complete idiot. Coaching a playoff team, <laughs> I wouldn't really call any uh, NBA coach an idiot, but I don't think there's an advantage either way. Okay. Like, I think Chris Finch is a fine coach. Um, Ty Lue obviously can do wonders and will make adjustments to anything. So he's done a really good job with what the Clippers had this year. Uh, so I don't see where the Grizzlies have an advantage anywhere. Uh, it is kind of worrying about, you know, it's a young coach. Now he's a two-seed 
Like when it gets tough, how will he respond to that? We know he doesn't really like to challenge stuff. Um, his after timeouts has been getting better, but um, it's an interesting kind of thing because it's a young core and a young coach. That's a lot of pressure for a team, especially if you're this young. So I don't think he'll get out coached. I don't think he'll out coach anyone. All right, Nathan, coming to you. We'll be quick with this one. Uh, any coaching advantage or disadvantage that you see uh, here with these three coaches? Uh, I think the one advantage is going to go to Ty Lue because he's been there before, right? I mean, he has all that playoff experience. He's He's been in this situation, and he's been in the, the biggest lights and understands it. So I, I give Ty Lue the edge there, but other than that, I, I'm, with, I'm with Ryan. I don't really think that there is a massive advantage, and I think that people are underestimating how much Taylor Jenkins has his pulse on the heartbeat of the team. Just when Ryan was talking about the challenges and how he has done that in the past, he's had like two first-half challenges in the past two weeks, and him getting double-teed and thrown out of that game against the Suns, I think he, he knows the heartbeat of his team, and he really has the pulse of this team, and I think he's able to coach accordingly, and I think that's something not every coach necessarily has. So um, I don't think there's a massive advantage or disadvantage either way, but if there were any, I'd say those are the two that the first one obviously being a disadvantage to Ty Lu, the second one being an advantage of being in tune with the team, just like the entire team is in tune with each other. So that's all I really got. Um, no need to harp on that anymore. Yep. Chris, anything uh, advantage or disadvantage you like about this coaching matchups? Uh, yeah, I'll be real quick. Um, I'm going to say disadvantage to Fitch <laughs> because <laughs> uh, I'm documented with my just um, not respecting, but at the same time, just you never know what you're going to get with the Timberwolves. So for him, he can coach, he can coach his butt off if he wants to. It really just depends on what D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards decides to come out that night. Um, so, you know, that's that's it on that for me. Um, Ty Lue, got to give him respect. He's a championship coach, even though he had LeBron James. But um, you still can watch him. He still, you know, he has expertise on the game. So I respect him. But going back what Nathan said, you got to go with TJ having the biggest advantage just because he's able to ride them guys up just like any other college could do, uh, college coach could do, uh, AAU coaches, high school coach, whatever. He's just got that effect on NBA guys, which you rarely see. Um and so I got to give it to him because, you know, if we get down in one of these games, I don't think no other coach in the NBA can route that team out outside of maybe Money Williams. And those are, for me, the two finalists for coach of the year. So I'm going to go with uh, Taylor Jenkins for, you know, having an advantage in these series. Yeah, speaking of Taylor Jenkins uh, and being coach of the year, I know he will not win the coach of the year because it's a political thing. Uh, for the simple fact that Monty Williams should have won it last year. So they're going to have to give it to him this year because they played well. But realistically, let's just be honest here. I know that he should have obviously won it last year. But Monty, Monty Williams in this team with the Phoenix Suns should be this good. Like legit, they should be this good. Taylor Jenkins and the Grizzlies were not even picked to do well at all. They were pick to be like the ninth or 10th seed on a consensus basis across the league. The fact that they're a two seed and the fact that job was not able to play a big stretch of games just should go to show that it is the coaching and the staff and that they should actually be winning the award this year. 
I know it's stupid. I know they're not, he's not going to, but realistically, I do believe Taylor Jenkins was the best coach this season overall. But anyway, we'll get past that. All right, let's get to the bench as we just talked about uh, before. Uh, the bench, that's probably my biggest thing I would like to kind of discuss because I think it can go so many different directions. Uh, but I want to hear your thoughts on this. The Grizzlies normally run 10. Most people in the regular season run 10. The Grizzlies are very good, and the reason that they have a, such a good record when Ja was out in that big stretch. What direction do you think they go? Because I am kind of torn so many different directions. Do they go down to 8, 10? I don't, I don't who who is pushed out. I don't know. There's a lot of questions here, but we're going to go to uh, to Ryan again and let's see what we can get answers. Don't break up on me. <laughs> let's try this again. Um, I don't think the rotation is going to change. I wow. don't think it's going to be shortened. I know most teams are like, who are your seven or eight guys? I just think that this is how they've played all year. I think they prefer the depth. It's their biggest strength for the Grizzlies, one of the deepest teams in the league. I don't see them shortening it at all. Um, I mean, the only way it shortens is obviously injury. But to me, I think it's going to be a 9-10 guy rotation again. So I don't see a big change. In Limiting the way minutes? They play, guys. I don't think they're going to limit minutes, no. They have to because there's no way they're going to allow – like, Jaw's going to play – 34 minutes a game, I'd imagine. Well, what was he averaging? I hadn't looked at that. 30, 32? Um, I'll look at it in a second. Um, yeah, that just doesn't make sense to me. Why in the world he would not play more minutes? Like he's – so some games he was playing 35, 38, 37, but most of the time he was around the 27, 30-minute mark. I think it's a 35, 36 minutes at least, just looking at some of these games that he's played. And a lot of times last year, he was playing 40 minutes easy. But I know it's a long series. You don't want to do that. But I I believe that they easily get him up to 36 and 37, 38. Yeah, it was also they were an eight seed playing the Utah Jazz. Like, it was his kind of coming out party and they were just doing what they could. I mean. Tyus Jones, there's a lot of times when Tyus comes in without job where the offense is just as good. Um, So I think they just like that. And also they play Tyus with jaw as well. Um, So I think it's actually important that jaw doesn't have big miles on him early in the playoffs. I, I, if I, if I'm worried if the Grizzlies have to play Ja 40 minutes a game to win a first round series, that's what okay. I do not want to see. Um, I'd rather it stick to what it has been with the Pat. Now I get it. A couple more minutes here, or there extra minute or two in his rotation. Fine. Uh, but if he's having to log 40 or 42 minutes against the Timberwolves or Clippers, just to pull out game two, uh, I don't feel great about that. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm saying I prefer the rotation to stay the same. And I think it will stay the same. Obviously, that could change depending right. on you know what happens in the first couple of games, but that's just how I see it. I don't know, you know, yeah. if they have some secret up their sleeve, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael's secret sauce, Nathan. Let's go to you. What do you think? I'm with I'm with Ryan on this. I don't think they change very much, other than to, I think they might stick with more of a flow of the game type of role. But like, for if 
Melton's feeling it and Bain's a little off. I think Melton will end up getting more minutes, even though that's traditionally not been what Taylor does is give Melton more minutes. I think that could be a thing. But same thing, I think a big part of Jaws minutes going up so much last year was they had no chance in those games unless he did, right? But this year the team has proven it can play really well, stay in the rhythm without him, a bench unit can really roll and get cooking. So if you don't have to play him all those minutes, then why would you? You know, I think it was, his minutes will inevitably go up at some point during the playoffs, but I don't think it'll be during the first round, and I don't think it'll be by this massive margin unless he is just absolutely cooking and they need him to stay on that. I think the one thing that could happen, though, is he gets on a heater, you know, how he comes out, and especially third quarters, and he's just rolling. And they just leave him in until he's not, right? Yeah. Unless it gets to a crazy amount of minutes back to back. But um, I think that's the situation you're more likely to see those minutes get extended instead of shortening um, minutes up. And as far as rotation goes, I think it's just going to be more of a hot hand approach. I, a month or so ago, I think I came on here and said I thought Kyle Anderson was going to be losing his minutes because he just wasn't contributing. Uh, really on either side. I mean, he was playing real defensively, but on the offensive side, I'm sorry, he was not contributing almost in any way, even as a creator and passer, but he's really turned it on the past month. I thought started to look a lot more like himself, and so it's hard for me to say he's going to lose minutes. Zaire's been playing really well. I, I think maybe his minutes will go down, if anybody's, just because he's young um, and experienced, but man, if he's cooking, they're not going to take him out either, right? So it's hard to say they'll cut anybody out of the rotation because um, I mean everybody's been playing well and who are you going to cut out and why you know what I mean yeah Ghostbusters all right let's do this Chris what you got <laughs> I think we all on the same page for the most part uh only person I can see really taking a hit as far as minutes um it's probably going to be Steven Adams just because you know with the teams that we're playing um or possibly playing um, I don't see, you know, Zubak with the with the uh, Clippers being much of an issue um, as well as, you know, Carl Anthony Towns. You're going to need probably Jaron to chase him all night. So um, that first round, I'm, I'm thinking maybe Adams may be the only person that takes a hit outside of that high-10D rotation. It just makes sense to do that unless, like Nathan and Ryan said, we need Ja to be Superman. I don't see Ja's men is really going up until that second round against – I mean, assuming it's going against Golden State, uh, they get past um, the Denver Nuggets, then I would see his minutes, you know, probably go up a little bit more than around the 36 to 38-minute range um, just because he, first of all, gives them fits every single time he plays them. Uh, but to, you know, a little bit more experienced team, um, you know, so I, I think you'll see it go up there as well as, you know, Western Conference Finals. I know I'm shooting, jumping the gun in a lot of people's eyes, but – uh, going against Chris Paul and Devin Booker, we're going to need y'all to definitely be 38 to 40 minutes a game uh, in that series. So um, outside of that, you know, I don't see the rotation doing, you know, too much different. One thing about Taylor Jenkins, he's not really going to deviate from his plan. I'm on record of saying that. Uh, he's on record of doing it. So I don't see him changing too much of what's working. I don't see a reason not, you know, to change it anyway, uh, unless it gets to a point where somebody's just playing terribly. And they got to sit on the bench. So we'll see what happens. All right. So I know you just said that I think we're all on the same page. Well, we're not. 
I am not on the same page as you three knuckleheads. I believe that there is a big, I guess, change in limiting minutes here because if you look at the five starters uh, that have played, what, nine games the whole year together, I believe it was, um, not many uh, total. But it, but the simple fact that you're going to get Dylan as many minutes as you possibly can, Ja, Bain, Jaron, okay? Those four, you want to get 35 minutes a game, in my opinion. And the only thing that's going to hamper that is potentially Jaron getting in foul trouble. So with Steven Adams, I believe he's important because it eliminates Jaron from having to guard someone uh, like like Cat, but also having to rebound as much as he is because Jaron is better when he's not having to be the main rebounder. And I think that's what Steven Adams comes in and, and does. Uh, but but looking at the bench, I think that Brandon Clark will get some run just to be something different. Uh, I also think that Tyus Jones is still going to get his minutes. Kyle Anderson is going to be play. He's going to be matchup based for the most part. I know he's going to come in. And he's going to play his minutes. If it's a good matchup for him, I would expect him to play 15 to maybe 18 minutes max. But I don't know if Zaire plays more than 10 minutes a game in any playoff game, unless he's feeling it and, and just playing well. Because Zaire, I, I just think the moment's a little too big for him. And I think that they really like what Melton can bring defensively with energy. And I think that's yeah. what happens is you see players, they still play, and yet they might go 9, 10, but I think you're going to limit your minutes completely with someone like Zaire. And I even I, I wouldn't doubt if they, they limit their minutes to Brandon Clark as well. You could see both of those guys play under 10 minutes half of the half of the playoff games, in my opinion, because I just don't see unless they're just when they get in, they're playing really well. Those guys, they honestly, they can go away sometimes like Brandon Clark. He can go. He can, he will go into witness protection mode sometimes. And that's really you're like, where is this guy? Is he going 10 for 10 for 20 points against the uh, the Pelicans? Yeah. If he's not that, he's like maybe two rebounds and three points. So. That's the difference. I think you're going to have to have and rely on some of these guys that are kind of long in the tooth, uh, such as Kyle Anderson, but also uh, him being in a matchup base. So anybody have any rebuttal to that? Chris, I see you unmuted. Go ahead. Man, how are you just going to slander Brandon Clark like that? Like, that's The truth hurts. But my thing is, like, with him being basically our only true backup big, and I'm, I'm giving air quotes with that because we all know he's what six seven six eight uh, right. plays bigger than what he is. But um, I just we need him. I, and I, I guess I should go back to even him as well being an important part. Everybody's important in the playoffs for us this year. I mean, we go deep uh, deeper than most teams do in the NBA. But we gonna need Brandon Clark to definitely show up big and being less than ten minutes a game. I just don't think that's feasible. Uh, for him, I know we trust, well, Taylor Jenkins trusts Kyle Anderson to do so many different things on the floor, whether it be defensively uh, and just being that easy, steady hand in the game. I get that. But against these teams that have these moving bigs and just they playing small ball, we're going to need BC to come up big. So I, Me personally, I just don't see him being the person to take the hit in minutes. If anything, which I think that still may, you know, take away from the flow of the game and the chemistry, it would be Tyus because obviously if Josh playing higher amounts of minutes, 
the 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 two man point guard in the playoffs small ball thing is just not going to work that well. I I personally believe than it did in the uh, regular season. So I don't know. That's my blowback on that. But I am kind of leaning towards you as um, far as Zaire having to be the person to get cut because, I mean, Milt, he's hot or cold, but, you know, we're going to need him to get hot. Um, and then, like I said, me personally, I think BC is going to be that next person, next man up outside of Tyus, uh, getting those spot minutes that we need to contribute and actually make that bench roll. Yeah, so to give a rebuttal uh, yeah. on – on you and I'll let you go here in a second, Ryan. Um, BC has actually played three of his best games this season against these, against the Timberwolves matchups. I'm not right now looking at the Clippers, but he has played well, who has not played well outside of one game where it was a blowout. And that's Tyus, even though he is from Minnesota and he started his career there, he has not played well against the Timberwolves this season. And so I, I, I can, see him maybe being pushed out and limiting his minutes. What you got, Ryan? Yeah. I, Brandon Clark, I, if there's anyone that's going to drop, I'm actually think it's Brandon Clark. I think his warts kind of show in the playoffs. Um, but to me, I actually have to rebuttal the Zaire Williams um, because I think Zaire is the first one off the bench and what? he could be, he's probably coming in for Steven Whoa. Adams. Um, I, I know he's a rookie. And he, I, I'm telling you, he's going to be six man. Uh, but if he struggles, then sure, they'll adjust and maybe they'll go with Kyle Anderson first. But biggest things we see in the playoffs, obviously, is shooting and length, right, on defense. I mean, how important was Kyle Anderson against the Jazz? He got like three steals a game. Uh, Zaire Williams is one of the few wing guys that we have with length and has been starting half the season now. Um, so now with Dylan back, can't exactly push Bane to the bench. So it just makes sense for Zaire to go there. Um, I think Zaire plays way more than 10 minutes a game. Uh, and I think it's good for him. If he plays more than 10 minutes a game, I would actually see him in the 20 to 25 range. Um, unless he's just playing poorly because he is a rookie, but I think he's first off the bench. And then if Zaire is struggling, then maybe it's Kyle Anderson instead. So that's my rebuttal. It's Zaire for me. Brandon Clark is whatever, but it's Zaire. Zaire's going to play more than that. Well, the crazy thing and the great thing about this is we don't have a clue, and I love it, that we actually have players on this team that we could see fighting for for minutes on the bench. And so uh, I think it's a good spot to be in for the Grizzlies. All right, let's get to the last couple things that we have planned, Um, and we're looking at some advantages or disadvantages that the Grizzlies have or – Maybe somebody else might have, but go ahead. Uh, let's keep it going, Ryan, with you. The biggest matchup nightmare that you've seen. Like, is there somebody that you do not, that you're just not looking forward to that matchup? Obviously, to, well, not obviously, but to me um, is a healthy Paul George because when the Grizzlies struggle, when they play a team where they can throw a ball, the guy in ISO mid post or from the wing or whatever, and he just, shoots over all of our shorter wings. Uh, So Paul George obviously would be the one I don't want to play. But the thing is, I'm not afraid of either the Timberwolves or the Clippers. I think the whole Clippers thing's getting a little bit overblown. Um, To me, it's they should be freaking out about how they're going to match up against us because neither of those teams have anything to deter Ja. They don't. 
Um, you're going to tell me Zubach is going to protect the rim? No, he's <laughs> going to take a face full of nuts from Jaw every game. Um, and the same thing with Minnesota. Like Jared Vanderbilt, come on. Six-eight kid from Kentucky, relax. I'm not really worried about anybody. All right. Nathan, let's head to you next. What you got, man? I am really glad you gave me my take because, one, I'm worried about seeing Pat Bev. Not because I'm worried about Pat Bev, the basketball player. Because I'm worried about Pat Bev, the assaulter, <laughs> the attempted murderer, the chick, the cheap shotter. I, I'm not, I have no desire to see him try and take out Jaws ACL the second that he barks, someone barks back, and he can't take his own medicine. So I don't want to see Pat Bev because of that. But the other one on the basketball side I don't want to see is a healthy Kawhi Leonard. I, that's, mm. I've been having nightmares about that this week since they've been saying reports that he could come back. And I know that, like, for us with Ja, we wanted to see him get a game under his belt and make sure he had a chance to knock some rust off. But Kawhi Leonard has a history of being a robot. And so I don't know if he needs lead-up time to come in and be Kawhi Leonard finals MVP. I don't, I don't, I don't think he needs it. And so, um, man, that freaks me out. That actually does freak me out. I, I do not want that. It's gotten to the point where obviously a Clippers that are minus Paul, George, and Kawhi are the least terrifying in this situation, but even a Clippers with Paul George, I'd rather face than I would the Timberwolves probably just because of simple matchup stuff. But man, you put Paul George and Kawhi Leonard back out there. That's a whole nother animal, man. That would be, that'd be a bitter pill to swallow when you set, sorry, tie the franchise record for wins, get the second best record in the league. And your reward is playing against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the first round of the playoffs. So that's, that one actually freaks me out. And the Pat Beth thing is real. Listen, I'm, yeah. We all know how I feel about Pat Bev, but from a basketball, purely basketball standpoint, bro, do not need that evil in my life. Well, they're not a legit seven seed. They didn't have those players there the whole year. So if they were to get all back their players and get healthy, that would be a, a very one of the best seven seeds of all time uh, coming back. So, uh, Chris, what you got? We'll wrap it up with you. Uh, yeah, I I think – the Clippers, to me, barring, you know, I know I'm repeating kind of the same sentiments around, but if they don't have Kawhi, I'd much rather have that matchup first round. I mean, we we basically – we're 4-0 against them this season, which I know two of those games we played, I don't think they had Paul George. So, I understand that. But we held them 108 points pretty much every time we played them. We putting up, you know, 120 or better. My issue is definitely the Timberwolves because I just think as far as – personnel they match up better with us they got a moving big and cat that can do you know whatever he wants on offense not really worried about him on defense but often I mean he he can you know when he when he's on he's on Anthony Elwood has been kind of weird this year because dude is talented as I'll get out but I don't know what's been going on at least the second half of the season he put a few games together but he can get hot uh but my real person that I'm worried about is D'Angelo Russell every time we play him for some reason, dude just goes off. Like, we cannot guard him from three, and he got the slowest release in the NBA. That don't make sense to me. So, you know, that's an issue. Obviously, I'm, I'm with you, Nate. Like, I think the whole NBA plus the whole Memphis is going to try to find Pat Bev if he decides to do something stupid to Ja. 
Um, he may be banished, you know, from the whole athlete community or whatever. He does something <laughs> stupid like that. But it is a, a real concern. So I'm with you on that. But, you know, as far as on the court, man, D'Angelo Russell, we got to do something with him. So I'd much rather not have to even worry about game planning for that and let somebody else handle them. But um, I, I, for real, you know, would much rather us go against the Clippers this first round. Even if Kawhi comes back, I think, you know, with the chemistry that we have and the chemistry that they don't have playing a whole season, him just getting inserted into the lineup like that at the end, they can, you know, it's basketball. I get that. But I just think at the end of the day, we get four wins before they do. So I'm just going to go with the Clippers no matter what. I do need to point out that as you were saying all that, I got a text of a video of Pat Bev getting ejected from the last game of the season. I have not seen that because I've been driving. So I don't know if that's old news or not, but I'm just saying that's go that speaks to everything I, I'm afraid of. Well, the funny thing is, like the the Timberwolves, the fans, what I've seen, they love it. Oh, Pat Bev's the best. Like just he, he's one of us. Like, like, come on. They're your poverty franchise. That's why you like poverty players. Whatever. Thank you. All right, Chris. Let's go back to you. We'll go reverse order on this one because I feel like they do take up uh, – they take all your uh, your key points. So, we'll go to you. Biggest matchup advantage. Where do you see the Grizzlies have head and shoulders the best matchup advantage? Had to get that mute button off quick. Okay. Advantage, I'm going to say the Clippers for sure because Reggie Jackson, uh, you know, he's just silly, man. I don't know. He's just a silly player to me. He, he, his weird antics on the court, the way he plays, it just don't impress me. Um, and, you know, they they can't stop Josh. So I'm not worried about them when it comes to uh, defensively and things like that. Uh, I'm going to say – I'm going to keep it short and simple. I think we had the best advantage against them. Uh, just piggyback on, you know, what I just, you know, went through. And uh, disadvantage, I'm going to say for sure, is Timberwolves. So, please, to the basketball gods, let us get these Clippers, these first round. <laughs> Nathan, any, uh, any advantage matchup you're looking at? Nothing in particular, to be honest. I think the biggest advantage is we have John Morant and they don't. From just a pure basketball standpoint, we already know what that means. From the mentality standpoint, I mean, we've seen these dudes. They're wild. They don't know any better other than to be wild and expect to go out and beat everybody they play. And that starts with John Morant. And we have them and they don't. And I think that's going to be the biggest advantage for the Grizzlies and why I have them going to the finals. All right, Ryan, (laughs) give me your advantage. I am actually completely opposite of Chris. I would much rather see the Timberwolves than the Clippers. Equivalent shooting teams, and I just think we're a better team. I get the matchup, and they're 2-2 two and two on the year, 1-2 at home, lost two at their place. Jaws a huge advantage, but to me, I think our biggest advantage is Triple Jack. I love Jaron Jackson Jr. I, I just think he does everything. Fred on the floor, coming off pin downs. Spin moves, fishing in the paint, protecting the rim. That to me is our biggest advantage if he's playing well. No, I agree. And he, he can be the biggest uh defensive, you know, problem for the other team because he can kind of make you adjust your shots. Um let's go back around one more time around the round table because I know you've kind of given uh, a little bit of glimpse uh to who you're probably going to pick here. But we're gonna go ahead and ask for who. The Grizzlies are going to play. So who wins that matchup between the Timberwolves and the Clippers? And then what will be the outcome of the first-round matchup 
against that team. Give me how many games? Ryan, let's start with you. Mr. Robot, give it to us. Um, I want the Timberwolves to win, but I think the Clippers will. But regardless, I think we beat the Clippers in six. Okay. Nathan. I am the exact same as Ryan. Although I actually have them beaten the Clippers in uh, in five. But um, I'd rather beat the Timberwolves. I think it's going to be the Clippers. I think they beat them in five. Wow. All right. Chris, what you got? Uh, definitely going to say uh, Clippers make it out of that play-in. Now, I can't wait till this play-in comes up so we can revisit this talk in a couple of days. But I definitely think the Clippers going to edge them out uh, with PG back. And then I'm going to go with Ryan, man. So, you know, I think we'll come out hot those first two home games. We may give two, you know, two up at some point. So, I'm going to say 4-2. Uh, we get it done at six and move on to the second round. Hold on. Never so mind. T-Wolves and four. I was about to say, so all of you – are on the same exact thing. The Clippers and we beat them in six. Wow. That's terrible. I have to be contrarian. <laughs> That's terrible. All right. Well, I will. Um, I'm going to go with the, uh, the Timberwolves because I do believe they're a better team. They're playing in LA, correct? No, they're playing in Minnesota. No, they're playing in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Y'all are a bunch of idiots. All right. Timberwolves win. Timberwolves, they're probably going to win by 15. Um, and then they go, the, they'll come home to the Grizzlies and get their, their teeth kicked in the first game for sure. I do believe the Grizzlies win that first game. It's going to be a big, big matchup, but I think that the Grizzlies have a chance to, to end it in five. I really do. To me, my opinion is it's a matchup that the Grizzlies need to get on top of them pretty quickly because if you let some of these guys that they have get hot, like y'all mentioned, Man, they they actually could run you out of the gym a little bit because they are gonna they're gonna get hot sometimes throughout the games, but also you don't want it to carry over game to game in a series. So, anybody else have anything that you want to kind of uh, share before we get off here? Yeah, man, I just want to give um, the Grizzlies a shout out, man. I know we tied the record, but I'm gonna say this is the best Grizzly team of all time. Um, Stamp it down, just because I mean we had an All Star this year that started for the first time in, in our history. Uh, we broke so many different records. We, you know, Jaron getting the block record, Steven Adams getting the, what, the offensive rebound record or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, leading the league in steals, blocks, and rebound. Like, we did so much this year that, I mean, even though we tied it record-wise, when you look at the whole scheme of things, we definitely locked in the best greedy team of all time, or at least the best greedy year of all time. And this is before the playoffs, so I'm just ready to see what we do with that. And, uh, yeah, let, let's get it popping this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a good uh, matchup no matter who uh, who wins out of this because I, I do believe that these two teams, they're hot, and that's the only thing you got to worry about, such as, you know, something similar to in baseball, the wild card team. Somehow they always come up, and they just because they had to play so well to get into that spot just as the play-in game. They're a tough team to take out uh, the first round because they have a lot of momentum. They have to actually win a game, one more game, to play you. So there's momentum in their favor already. But this week, we do have a lot of episodes coming out. So the play-in game will be on Tuesday. Wednesday, you will get some kind of an episode from me breaking down exactly who the Grizzlies are going up against. I don't know who's going to be on there with me at this point. I haven't actually thought through that yet. Uh, and actually going through what the entire breakdown will be. 
but I know we will have an episode coming out on Wednesday. So expect that Friday. We are recording an episode Friday morning with Jessica Benson. She will be on here from Grind City Media. It's going to come out late Friday or maybe Saturday morning, but the game for the Grizzlies should be Saturday, maybe Sunday, depending on uh, exactly when the schedule releases. But after every game, we will be recording a podcast. It could be a solo podcast. could be one of me and one of these guys. Uh, but just kind of stay tuned to that because we will have some kind of episodes coming out reviewing each game because I think it's very important. We're going to do that the entire playoffs. So every day after a game, you'll have an episode coming out. So make sure you stay tuned to that. But that's all we have. Make sure you go ahead and check out Bet the Lead. As Chris mentioned earlier, Bet the Lead is actually doing a lot of good things. They're dabbling their way through baseball, uh, which has been obviously my love, but we've actually done pretty well at it. Then you have the playoffs, the NBA playoffs. Go check out Bet the Lead at Bet the Lead. Go make sure you follow the Grizz Lead at Grizz underscore Lead. Follow these guys. They're on Twitter. You can check us out. You can follow them. They're in the, our bio. Go check them out and uh, make sure you follow them. There's going to be a lot of good things coming out throughout the playoffs, whether it's articles or podcasts. So I have something up my sleeve. If I have time, I'm going to finish it out. And it might be really, really good. Or it might suck. Who knows? Either way, I'm proud of it. That's all we got. Have a good week. Have a good night. Be nice and tell your friends.